Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Rogu Manavolin. It's Thursday, and this is your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. Alrighty, here's today's edition of Fun with the Numbers. Where do you think President Joe Biden's average approval rating stands right now? Here's a hint, according to 538, at this point in their prospective presidencies, some 239 days in, George W. Bush was at 82.6%, Barack Obama came in at 53.4%, and Donald Trump was at 38.8%. Alright, so Joe Biden's average approval rating, 46%. For what it's worth, that was also Gerald Ford's approval rating at this point in his presidency, and if the current trend holds, it could be headed further downward. Amid a busy fall agenda, Politico's Burgess Everett and Laura Barone-Lopez take a look at how Democratic lawmakers are urging Biden to get more directly involved with reconciliation, the debt ceiling, and government funding bills. Senator Dick Durbin had this to say, quote, There is no comparable political force to a president, and specifically Biden, at this moment. Almost on cue, a White House official offered us this preview of Biden's speech today. He'll argue that we don't need to reduce the cost of being rich in America. We need to lower the cost of raising a child, of prescription drugs, of taking care of an aging parent, of healthcare, of high-speed internet, and of hearing aids. For those keeping score, almost every one of those Biden priorities is currently under threat by intra-dem party conflicts. Speaker Nancy Pelosi made a deal with about a dozen skeptical House moderates in late August to win their support on the party's $3.5 trillion budget. If they backed the fiscal blueprint, Pelosi promised two things. One was to hold a vote on the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill by September 27th. That would give those members a chance to campaign on the policy win. The other promise was a little more complicated, but no less important. Rather than the House and Senate drafting and voting on separate sweeping reconciliation bills, she agreed to figure out the contours of the social spending package with her Senate counterparts on the front end. That would ensure any bill that passes the House would have 51 votes to clear the upper chamber. Let's figure out what the mansions and the cinemas of the Senate are willing to live with, then pass a single agreed-upon bill through both chambers. In Congress parlance, it's a concept known as pre-conferencing. That way no one takes tough votes on controversial proposals on taxes or climate change, only to get hung out to dry by the Senate. Now, however, some moderates are increasingly concerned that Pelosi and her team are playing fast and loose with that commitment. They worry that Democratic leaders are charging ahead with their own expansive version of the reconciliation package without getting on the same page with the Senate first, and making them walk the plank in the process. The issue came to a head Wednesday when three House Democrats tanked a prescription drug pricing reform plan in the Energy and Commerce Committee. It's a setback that signals problems ahead. One of their chief concerns, that the Senate remains opposed to the overhaul, which would raise nearly $700 billion to fund healthcare provisions. Now, this isn't a new problem for House Democrats representing competitive districts. Many lost their seats in the early 1990s after then-President Bill Clinton pressed them to back a BTU fuel tax, only to abandon the provision when it bogged down in the Senate. Republicans ran ads against those members anyway who didn't like the provision in the first place. They ended up losing the majority in 1994. You might remember that Blue Dogs nearly went extinct after they backed cap-and-trade legislation in 2009. It too went nowhere, and they were criticized during campaign season. It's not uncommon to hear moderates today say, we don't want to get cap-and-traded or BTU'd again. In case you were wondering, Bill Clinton's approval rating on day 239 of his presidency, 48.3%. 
Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House. At 10 a.m. Eastern, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will receive the president's daily brief. At 1.45, Biden will speak from the East Room about, quote, leveling the playing field in our economy to bring down costs and ensure that the backbone of the country, the middle class, can finally get a break. Press Secretary Jen Psaki will brief at 2.30. The House and the Senate are out today. All right, that's all I've got for you today. For more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Roku Munaval, and have a great Thursday. I'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Yep, we're rolling. I'm Ryan Heath, and for seven years, I've been writing a newsletter about global affairs covering the CEOs who shape the economy, the lawmakers who set the rules, and the innovators who bend them. In that time, I've gotten to know a lot of them and their world pretty well. What do you think the longest pause is someone's ever taken when you've asked them, like, a really hard question? Oh, that's easy. Um, It was Emmanuel Macron, and I asked him when was the last time he'd built a piece of IKEA furniture, and the dude could not answer the question. I think Tony Blair certainly flirts with his eyes. Is there an airport tip you have? There is an amazing bakery at Copenhagen Airport called Hakkasuset. <laughs> I can never say it right. <laughs> now I'm doing a different kind of interview with the same sources I've kept tabs on for years, more personal conversations that usually happen behind closed doors in Davos and the UN. Is it just something that you have to accept is out of your control now? Of course I'm worried. We're doing this in a pandemic. We all have to be worried. Every week, there'll be activists, regulators, business leaders, like NATO's Jens Stoltenberg and Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. African leaders need to spend more time with their young people, and they need to empower them to lead in the future. The balance of power is always shifting. Global Insider is how you keep up. We launch September 15th. See you there. Lauke Husa. Lauke Husa. We're humans, not robots, so I can't make it sound like the robot.